Hibbets. Love it. Though, if you call them that, they're going to have to be naturally athletic, of course. Hey there, welcome to Bandit's Keep. This is Daniel. So I'm kind of guerrilla podcasting this one. I'm sitting out on my porch working on my other podcast that I will shamelessly plug right now, A Voice with Daniel Norton, that is about photography. But anyways, um, and I'm just using my phone, no microphone or anything, while I'm editing the other one on my computer. So you'll probably hear, as you do right now, a car go by. But I got a bunch of calls uh, from, it looks like from Taylor from Clerics Wear Ringmail and Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. There may be others. If there are, I will shout them out as we go. That first message was from Taylor in my reference to uh, creating my own uh, halfling or hobbit race, calling them the Hibbits. So I'm, I'm picturing, you know, two foot tall, extremely athletic halflings, which is actually pretty much matches the halfling picture in, uh, in BX, I believe. They're, that that guy's pretty buff, you know, considering he's a little tiny guy. But anyways, uh, let's get to the calls. Morning, Daniel. This is Taylor of Cleric Square Ringmail calling in from the elliptical and uh, talking a little bit about death mechanics. So thinking about your idea to have a death save, sort of roll your hit die and on a one in six, you're, you're good. That that would probably work. You could, it would work definitely as a dice pool. So, fighters having the most hit dice per a given experience level are most likely to have that one come up. So, that is assuming I have say I'm I'm a domain level, and I've got twelve hit dice. So I roll twelve times. I'm likely to succeed twice. Thinking about it, that kind of makes it very difficult for top-level characters to die. Huh, probably needs some thinking. Okay, it looks like maybe I wasn't super clear in my idea here. So the bulk of Taylor's messages that are going to follow are based on what he believes I was thinking there, which is that uh, your save is based on your hit dice. Um, that's not really what I meant. So I'm going to kind of try to explain it here. I, I opened up Odindy so I can look at it. So, for instance, if you look at a fighter at first level, they are a veteran, they have one plus one hit dice. So, in my chainmail hack, that means one hit will, will kill them. So, let's say they get hit by an orc. They're dead, right? However, because they have one plus one hit die, they get to roll a d6, and one d6 as it would be, and if they get a one, they're not dead. You know, whatever, luck stepped in, their, their, their constitution, whatever you want to call it, they basically were able to resist it, and they're effectively not dead, right? It's kind of, it's a death save. It's literally whatever you want to call it. Now, if we look at a magic user of the same level, they are one hit die. If they get hit once by the orc, they're dead. Now, second level fighter, two hit dice. They need to be hit two times simultaneously to go down. So let's say two orcs attack them, and they both hit. Now the fighter is dead. There's no death save because they have two hit dice. But if we look at a fourth level magic user, one, two, three, four, yeah, the, the uh, theurgist, they are two plus one hit die. That means they need to be hit two times simultaneously to be killed. If they get hit two times simultaneously and they drop, they can roll one six-sided die because they're two plus one. And if they get a one, they bounce back up. They're not dead. Now let's jump up to a higher level. We go to superhero. A superhero is eight plus two hit dice. So what that would mean is they need to be hit eight times simultaneously to go down. So let's say they are hit by, and I know that might sound like crazy, but if you're fighting high-level monsters, right, they're rolling multiple dice per. So let's say they're fighting 
a couple of trolls, right? So the trolls are all attacking, and that's like 12 dice are thrown at the superhero. And let's say eight of them hit. The superhero drops. However, the superhero is eight plus two hit dice. So that means that they roll two six-sided dice because they're eight plus two. And if either one of those two come up a six, so they're rolling two dice, if either one of those come up a six, the uh, superhero is not dead. And basically they, they avoid it, right? Um, where I think this could become problematic is, let's say, when you start to get to, like, wizard 14th level, you're rolling four dice. You know, the chance you're going to roll a six on that is pretty darn high. So I don't know if that mechanic's a little bit broken. So there's two reasons why I was doing this. One is that, again, for first-level fighters, because a veteran is the only, is one plus one hit die, where a medium, you know, magic user and a cleric are all uh, one hit die, so they're all kind of the same. But also, when you look at a fourth-level to fifth-level cleric, they go from four hit dice to four plus one, which effectively does nothing in the, the you know, the abstracted troop combat. Uh, you know, and same thing, let's see, magic user. Magic user goes from one to one plus one at first to second level, and then two to two plus one at third to fourth. So again, they don't really gain any, and also uh, from, it looks like, fifth to sixth, they go from three to play, three plus one. So there's a lot of levels where the magic user doesn't actually gain any hit dice, technically, in the way I'm running the game now. So um, that's kind of why I did it that way. But in any case, uh, let's hear clerics. I almost called him clerics for a ringmail. Let's hear Taylor from clerics for a ringmail. Let's hear uh, what he's got to say about what he was thinking I was saying, because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. You could, I guess, do it every other hit die. So at first level, when you have one hit die, you roll once. At third level, when you have three hit dice, you roll twice. With five hit dice, you would roll three times, and so on. That would put you domain level, say, 11th. You would have six dice to roll in the pool. So statistically, an 11th level character will usually survive. But it's not as likely as a uh, 12th level 12 dice from my previous call-in. This is much better. Now, it does not really do anything for the fighter. Maybe, eh, I can't think of anything that uh, scales uh, properly when you have the dice pool like that, but the fighter in this circumstance would definitely have the most hit dice and it would still hold true, more likely to survive. The fighter, at first level doesn't really get anything but as they gain experience they rapidly will gain hit dice on top of and over the other classes so statistically they they get uh better and better over time so that reminds me i did something similar but not similar in my uh own chainmail based heartbreaker weapons wits and wizardry in the uh alpha document I never liked hit points. The abstraction of hit points, it was okay. You know, I, I had played video games with them, so it's like, okay, this is whatever. But the abstraction where hit points represents both your vim, vitality, and your skill and luck, but then heals as though it was hit health, that never sat with me well. And what I took from Chainmail was the hero, superhero, concurrent hits to, to defeat. So in uh, OD&D, when your 
uh, fighter says he fights as three men. I took that. What if he has to be hit three times in the same combat round in order to go down? Now, didn't uh, didn't Dave Arneson specifically say he instituted hit points because his players were sick of dying in one hit? Well, those players can take their death aversion right back to the Twin Cities because this is the OSR and we die every episode. But more seriously, though, that is a concern. You can't really advance a campaign if you die that easily. So I took a page from the other experiences I'd had and put together an injury table. It's nothing too complicated. Uh, I posted the alpha version on the blog a while back, but you could have your movement reduced. You know, you have a leg injury or something. You could... Uh, have your fighting capability reduced or your carrying capacity or some skills wouldn't work the way you thought. Representing a game effect and allowing the player and the ref to kind of negotiate the particular details of the injury. But how does this tie to death saves? Well, it requires two roles. The ref rolls for the nature of the injury and the player rolls their death save. That's the save versus death that OSR players are familiar with. And the result of that death save determines the severity of the effect. It could be permanent. It could inconvenience them for the next few minutes. It's all dependent on how well the character rolls that death save. So it's less an injury table and more a defeat table. It's a what happens when you get taken out of the fight and uh, you're at your enemy's mercy. And that ties back. So folks may be asking, Taylor, why are you talking about your homebrew on Daniel's show about Daniel's homebrew? Well, it ties back because you can think of that death save not necessarily as, am I dead, but am I at the mercy of my captors? So if a character has a good chance of surviving, that doesn't mean they necessarily survive. That may put them at the mercy of the enemy. There's a little bit more here, but I wanted to just jump in because, um, first of all, I appreciate anybody, especially Taylor, uh, calling in about what they've done to modify uh, OD&D or chain mail or any games, because I think all that stuff is game mechanics is really interesting to me. Um, so, yeah, definitely. And this actually sounds like a really cool system. Again, it's not... Um, I think he misinterpreted what I said, so he's gone down a different path. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm digging on on this idea, and maybe this is something we could uh, talk about more. But let's hear his uh, next message. My son has just joined me in the workout room, which means I probably ought to stop calling in. He's uh, not supposed to be in the workout room. But so to conclude, if I go down and survive, but there's orcs everywhere, who knows? They may eat me. Uh, just because I survived doesn't mean I survived. Alternatively, if I go down and they recognize me heraldry, they may hold me for ransom back to my family. So having that kind of a mechanic rescue them out of the jaws of defeat may be just as much a narrative tool, a plot movement device, as it is a punishment for losing in combat. Cheers and Delvon. Ah, yes. Um, 
I like this idea, and actually, I think it was a conversation I was having with Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast a while back. Think about Unchained, about the idea that um, I've taken to now not saying dead at zero or however you want to say it, uh, in at least in OD and D and in games that I'm creating myself. Instead, when you are reduced to zero or whatever, you are defeated. How that defeated is is defined really depends on how you got brought down. If you get roasted by a dragon's fire and are reduced to zero, you're probably dead, right? If you are being assaulted by, like I say, a bunch of tribe of orcs, it might be they capture you. It really is up to the winning side what happens to you. So I really like this idea of defeated versus dead uh, at zero hit points. Again, this isn't exactly what I was talking about, but I, I really, I really like this idea. And actually, I had taken a um, this idea about the injuries. I should say, I had taken again. I apologize for the noise. I'm sitting outside. I had taken the um, from Red and a uh, Red and Pleasant Land, which is a module for Limitations of the Flame Princess. In the back has this kind of funky dueling rules, and I kind of used it as a basis for an idea that I, I was calling D and D without hit points. And it all has to do with, effectively, injuries. When you're rolling to attack or whatever, um, depending on what you're wearing for armor and what's exposed and where you hit, um, you effectively uh, die of, eventually, I guess, if you get hit a number of, you know, in, if you take a number of injuries. And depending on where they are. So it might be one serious head injury, or it might be, you know, assuming you don't have a helmet on, or it might be, you know, three or four injuries if you get hit, like, in the arms and legs and stuff. And it all seemed pretty cool, and I liked it for, for, you know, I liked it in general, and then I actually sat down to try to do a quick play test of it, and what I realized was it was a pain in the butt to do for every single monster. So it might be something that could be useful as, like, a dueling rule specifically, which, of course, is what it was in that module. So I don't know. Maybe I'll uh, talk about that a little bit if people are interested. So if you are interested in an injury-type uh combat system that's more for dueling and that type of thing versus hit points let me know i'll read it here uh, in any case thanks taylor for all the awesome messages and uh yeah it sounds like we're on the same page on a lot of things you know the idea of um hit points it doesn't really bother me because i just i'm a I, andy likes to say i'm a gamist so i don't need things to feel realistic but i definitely like the idea of the hit dice as a mechanic primarily because i i like for a more kind of epic heroic game. And I always felt like hit points, the only solution to, no, I shouldn't say the only, there's never only, right? But a solution to hit points, like draw, drowning the player out and making them less heroic is lots of healing and lots of resting. And it never felt like that was a good solution. It's like, I have my powerful character in fifth edition and they get into a huge fight and now their hit points are drowned down. So they're just going to cast tons of healing so they can be epic still effectively doing the hit dice the way I'm doing it in my chainmail hacks is doing that, right? If you survive the combat, you're fine. You don't have to worry about it, any healing or whatever. And so it's kind of doing the same thing, but without that hit point back and forth, which I just didn't really care for. So uh, strangely, I'm making a, a really heroic game out of OD&D where so many kind of, you know, again, grind your face in the dirt, uh, die every time, <laughs> I just said, games came from, from OD&D, which is effectively OSR. So, anyways, thanks for calling in, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Daniel, listen to your lost episode. I'm not sure about your death save without... I, I think I need to play the game, to be honest, or, or go back and reread through everything. So, I... It, 
if it makes sense to you and the people playing now, you know, you and Nikki and whoever else are your playtesters, then it's probably a good idea, to be honest. If you play tested with them and they've been there since the beginning, I would tend to defer to your judgment. But without playing, I'm really not sure. I There's something to be said about a high-level character or a real tough monster not being taken out with one blow. But, you know, so maybe that death save is just they're, they're wounded. Maybe have an effect, you know, a lingering effect. Maybe they lose a, a hit die or, or lose a that plus to their hit points or something. I don't know. That, that's kind of harsh, but maybe have a lingering effect if they invoke that. Okay, that was Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Huh. I actually kind of like that, and one of the things I had considered doing was once you use that plus, it's gone, right? So if you are, let's say, a first-level fighter, so you're a, a, a veteran, and you're one plus one hit die, you get hit once, you go, you theoretically go down, but if you roll that one, you come back, but now you're just one hit die. That's gone. That's your luck. It's gone forever. You never get it back. Well, I mean, you get it back on another level that has a plus. But then I just thought that feels like paperwork, so... So I'm not sure. I mean, lingering effects, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it could also be that you're unconscious, not dead. But again, I feel like the idea of it is to keep the fighter on their feet. So I don't know that I'd want to do that. So I'm not sure. I mean, you know, I feel that this is one of those things where I don't like death saves in 5th edition. I feel like they create this like bounce back and forth scenario a lot of times especially with things like healing word not to get into a comparison of fifth edition which i think is a fine edition by the way but it, it does create this thing where like when you go down you don't really you're kind of not down um so i don't want to have that because i do like the more deadly system and it being hard to kill somebody so i'm really torn here uh you know about this mechanic but i think it just gives something a little extra I mean, actually, what's funny is to new people who I showed the system, they thought because the fighter had one plus one hit dies, it will take two hits to take them down. But the problem with that becomes, okay, well, if I say, fine, it takes one extra hit to take you down if you have a plus, then what happens when a fighter gets a second level and they're still at two? Now they don't get anything. So I'm trying to find a compromise that seems to work. I guess the other way to do it is to just... It, the plus one only affects when they're doing man-to-man -man and you're using actual hit points. But I don't know. I'm still thinking about it. Uh, uh, as you mentioned, I guess if the playtesters feel like it works, and it probably does, and they do uh, as few times as it's come up. So I guess as it comes up more often, we'll see. I'm also debating the multiple dice and whether or not monsters get it and stuff like that. So uh, that's all kind of up in the air. I've only used it with player characters. So, and they seemed pretty happy to not be dead. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if that's a, if that's a good, uh, good analysis there, but, but yeah. Anyways, thanks for your input, Jason. Oh, I just want to add to this too, that just in case somebody who listens to this uh, podcast doesn't realize this, I mean, I ran fifth edition for a long time, so it's not like I'm one of these people that comments about it. I know that there's been this controversy about you shouldn't comment about things you haven't played. I ran it for three years in a campaign and actually about two years into it, because my players felt the same way, that like people were down and then back up and then down and back up. We actually created a deck of cards called uh, After Zero or At Zero, I think. After Zero, I think is what it's called. Um, and then we just never did anything with it, but we actually created and printed it. And it was a deck of cards that uh, when you hit zero hit points, you draw a card. And effectively, these were lingering effects, kind of like what, what Jason's talking about. So that is definitely a good option. 
Um, and it kept them from the idea of like they didn't want to hit zero because they didn't want to, you know, have a lingering effect. So some of them were pretty harsh. <laughs> Anyways, back to it. As far as the lost episode and the idea of not rolling, uh, Che Webster's been running that successfully with Evil Jeff and a few other people. And in fact, he's recently started up or he's in the process of starting up another edition of that. It's going to have myself and Brian from Have to Look That Up in there and another player who I don't believe has a podcast. But I, I look forward to that because I'm interested to play a game where I don't roll any dice, where the GM does all the rolling and, you know, I just do description. I don't even have a character sheet in front of me. So I'm curious to see how that works out, and I'm actually excited to do that. I, I don't have a big problem with that, but mind you, I play games more for the social aspects than the game aspects, like if that makes sense. And I'm not, I don't play just one kind of game. I'm playing a bunch of games. So I still get the, the board game aspects and all the other aspects out of it. So I think one game out of all my games being all narrative is fine. As far as the swinginess of a D20 or even a D100 and the idea of players not succeeding enough, especially when they get higher level... Should that not be, you know, that's kind of, you look at GURPS, that's one of the things a lot of people love about GURPS is it's based around 3D6 and your target numbers tend to be somewhere in the middle. So you, you tend to succeed, it tends to be more predictable at least. Um, okay, I, you know, as far, I, I think there needs to be a chance for failure. I don't, th I think we roll too more, much, I think we roll too often in a lot of games. It's kind of like where you talk about, your con game where the guy, yeah, of course he knows Viking lore. He doesn't have to roll for that, right? And I, I think we roll too often. I think Thief wants to climb the wall. He's a thief. Yeah, you can climb the wall most of the time, right? Unless it's covered with slick oil or something crazy. But to be honest with you, these systems like Traveler and GURPS, I just don't, I don't know. The dice mechanics don't excite me, you know? I like the swinginess of the D20 or, or arguably the swinginess of a D100 over that of, you know, the 3D6 or 2D6, whatever. I, I do. I like Savage Worlds. I like the exploding dice mechanic. So I, I think something like Savage Worlds is about one of the, I won't say the ideal dice mechanic, but I think Savage Worlds is, you, you know, great die mechanic because... It's exciting. It's fun to roll. You can still fail. There are times you can fail and not, not even be able to invoke your bennies if you roll two ones. So there, there's a lot in there. But more often than not, you're going to succeed, which makes the game feel more heroic. Nice, Jason. A lot of good points there. Yeah, th those Jay Webster games sound super interesting to me. I think I would really have to trust the DM to be in a game like that. Because I feel like so many game masters already railroad, fudge the dice, do all these other things where I, that I don't like. So <laughs> I feel like if I didn't know what my chances were of something, I'd feel even more so like, oh, okay, we're being kind of led down a path. Unless I really trusted that the GM wouldn't do that. So, you know, that, that's, I'd, I'd love to hear more about these games. It sounds really cool. Uh, you know, I'm not even sure that I would be capable of running it. To be honest with you, I, I think that if, if I had total control of everything and the players never knew what they were, could do or couldn't do, I might be tempted to, to, to direct the, it a little bit more than I do now. I, I like the openness and randomness of the dice. They keep me honest, you know. I hate 
when a character dies in one of my games, but it happens a lot because I don't fudge the dice and I don't, and I roll out in the open when I'm in person, especially. So, you know, it's like, I, I feel bad, you know, but, but if I, if I knew I could change it, you know, and I've been in games where people change stuff and sometimes it's super obvious to me anyways, where we're losing and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, monster's dead. It's like, really? Like, but anyways, I digress there. So I think that's super interesting. I, I, I'm going to say I come from a bunch of different directions here. And I guess like you, you like, you like a lot of different games. I like a lot of different games. There are games where I would prefer to just succeed most of the time, you know, meaning that like I don't want to have to bother with rolling dice. Like it seems like it's almost, I don't want to say a waste of time, but it's like you're a competent character. You should just be able to do it. Um, there's games where I think that there should be times where you just can't roll the dice because you can't do it. It's just, nope, can't do it. Uh, like your uh, oil slick wall. Maybe I'd say, oh, I'm, you know, your first level, uh, I don't care if you have an 87% climb walls. It's coated in oil. You can't get up there, and it's, it's 100 feet up. You know, and so you can't throw a grappling hook. But you know what? When the magic user gets levitate, right, later on, or if you come up with some other clever way to get up there, Maybe pounding spikes in if you want to take, you know, an hour to do that, then we'll roll for wandering monsters. You know, I like clever solutions to things that seem impossible. I like doors that can't be lockpicked. Like, I don't like the idea that, like, oh, well, they can just keep trying over and over again. I like the idea they have to come back next level when they get better. Why? I don't know why, because it's awesome. And <laughs> I mean, why in the world? Because it's a cool mechanic. And what it does is it sets it up so that, oh, well, they can't explore that part of the dungeon. They'll have to come back to it later. And that's, you know, that's the theory of like mega dungeons and stuff. Now, yeah, that would suck if it's the only thing they can do and you shouldn't do that because that would just be absolutely terrible. But I never set up an adventure unless it's a one shot that's like meant to be played really quickly. I never set up an adventure. There's only one way to go. You know, the players will always find ways around. I mean, my players never go in the front door. So if I only ever had a front door, then they would never go in anywhere. So, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I and, 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 you know, I'm with you. I, I, I like the swinginess on some level of the 20-sider, but I also hate the situations where the super powerful fighter misses because they rolled a 1 on the D20, and then the, the, the crappy, you know, thief rolls a natural 20 and kills the tough monster. Like, I just think that kind of stuff is too zany most of the time, unless you can really fit it into a story. And I guess that's the reason why, in, you know, like in 5th edition, where they created bounded accuracy, where everybody's kind of tough, so it doesn't matter. Um, and the, theoretically, I don't know if they created it. People that are more game design, people can probably call in. But the idea is that everything should succeed a decent amount of the time. And also, there should be a lot of rolling. You should roll a lot, and then you should succeed. And I think people like that. And in fact, I mean, this is anecdotal, of course, but I've been in chats with people where I've said things like, well, if you have a charismatic character and you've been playing them that way and they have a good idea, it just works. And, the, and people have said, I would hate that if I was the player. And it's like, you would hate just succeeding? And they're like, yeah, I built this charismatic character with all these points and these different things. I want to use those skills. So, <laughs> you know, different ways of playing. And there's, there's so much. I feel like I'm talking really fast. I had a lot of coffee. <laughs> there's so much stuff that is out there in RPGs that are just so awesome and so interesting. So I really feel like shoving it all together into a game that you really love is, is the is the key to everything in my mind. And uh, that's why, uh, uh, you know, I've been building my own game. Because me personally, yeah, you should succeed. Uh, me personally, yeah, you should be defeated, probably not dead when you go down to zero. Me personally, you should be powerful, but things should be on some level swingy. I love a binary system. I love 
comic books. I love cartoons where, or in movies where, like the 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 hero gets beat to crap. They're barely standing after fighting the twenty five minions, but yet when they get to the final, you know, uh, villain who is the most, uh, you know, except for the hero, the toughest fighter in the world, they fight them to the death, right? You know, like they were full strength again. Like, how do they do that? You know, I love that. I think it's awesome. It's an awesome trope, and because of that, you know, I'm creating a game that that has that feel. I think. So, in any case, uh, thanks for calling in. Lots of great calls from uh, Taylor from Cleric Square Ringmail and Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, I'm glad that people are calling in and I didn't completely fade away. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I'll we'll be back more regularly with the podcast. I definitely want to talk a little bit about uh, challenging uh, players or problem players um, at the table because it is an interesting subject that I'm not going to say that I, I'll just spoiler right now. I don't think what I did with the as a player in that game was the best thing to do and maybe because i didn't do the best thing i have something to say about it so we'll talk about that maybe next uh, episode i don't want to go completely sideways on the podcast and i would like to stay relatively focused on game design and speaking of that uh, just as we wrap up here i uh i discovered the fantasy trip and it is very interesting so if people are interested in the fantasy trip uh you know Colin, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. It's just such a fun little uh, combat system with the melee. I haven't actually looked in the role-playing part of it, but like the the combat system with melee and uh, I just picked up wizards, so we'll look at that. They just seem super interesting to me. And, and again, right up my alley of just like very basics, very basic things that you can then role-play around, you know. You could easily do gladiatorial tournaments in melee and then just role-play the rest of it. So anyways, thanks everybody for listening. If you've gotten this far... And if you haven't, well, you're probably listening to something else. So thanks for listening to that. In any case, I'll talk to you soon.